I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 27 of Red Sin. Chapter 27, Julia. Turning on my phone, I kicked off my boots, wiggling my sock-covered toes in the soft, warm rug near my bed. Much as Van's phone had done, my phone vibrated and dinged with numerous incoming text messages and voicemails. I pulled my sweater over my head and pulled off the blue jeans, leaving me covered in my camisole and soft pants as I picked up my phone, sat upon the edge of the bed, and sighed. Lying back, I hit the first voicemail message from my mother. The timestamp was yesterday afternoon. Julia, not returning our messages is childish. How can we be comfortable with your decisions when you're not replying? Listening to her dismissive and demeaning tone had the opposite effect of what her words intended. Closing my eyes, I let her message settle over me. As it did, I saw the errors of my ways. Not recently, but in the past. For the entirety of my life, I'd simply accepted my position in the family as the child. Despite my age signifying adulthood, I'd never exerted my independence. I'd never been encouraged to do so. My place was to accept my role as the Wade heir, as Mrs. Schuyler Butler, and with taking over ownership of my stock of Wade, in name only. It was never planned for me to be involved in the future of Wade Pharmaceutical. My father's recent confession confirmed as much. Skipping three voicemails from my mother, I hit the screen to listen to the most recent, last night at near midnight. We're here, Julia, come out of the house. I exhaled as my stomach dropped. My parents had been here at Van's home. Are they still here in Northern Wisconsin, or have they gone home? The text messages from both of my parents chronicled their flight to Ashland and their research that allowed them to find Van's address. There wasn't anything dubious about what they'd done. Donovan Sherman's address was public record. Standing, I laid the phone on the bed, deciding to go downstairs and fill Van in on the identity of our visitors before my shower. As I reached the door to the hallway, I heard the ring of my phone. Begrudgingly, I turned around. Fine, Mom, I'll talk to you, I spoke to no one, thinking how I hadn't ignored their messages or calls. I'd been outside of cell coverage. Approaching the bed, I decided not to tell her that. If she thought I was being childish, there wasn't anything I could say to change her mind. The name upon the screen wasn't who I expected, and immediately improved my disposition. The last time we'd spoken was when I told her the wedding was off. Will I tell my friend that I have a new wedding on the horizon? I answered, Vicky, I'm worried about you. How are you doing? My cheeks rose higher. I'm sure it sounds odd, but I'm good. I really am. There's so much I want to talk to you about, she said. First, it's Christmas. I hate that you're alone. I'm not alone. 
her volume lowered. I feel like this is the twilight zone. I saw a news bulletin about you and Skylar working out your differences. I promise that's not true. She sighed. I didn't think it was. Come back to Chicago. You can stay with me. We both know that your mom can be overbearing. You can hide out in my apartment and not even let your parents know you're in town. I just want you safe. I sat back on the edge of the bed. Vicky knew my family, and she was right. Mom could be overbearing. One of the things I loved about Victoria was that we'd been friends long enough that we knew most things about one another and our families. If life hadn't taken its most recent crazy turn with Van, I'd welcome her invitation. I miss you, Vic. I miss you too. I feel like I've lost two of my best friends. My curiosity got the better of me. Have you spoken to Beth? I have, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry, you and Beth are friends. So are you and Beth. She said she's tried to talk to you, leaving messages and texts. She saw the article about you and Skylar working it out. She should know that's not true. She doesn't. She says she's in limbo. She even called your mom. I lay back on the bed. I heard, mom thinks I should call her. I don't, Vicky said. She's my friend, but damn, it's not like she didn't tell you she was involved with just someone. She didn't tell you that she was involved with Skylar. Tears I didn't expect burnt the back of my eyes. In the long run, she saved me. I keep telling myself that. If Skylar would sleep around on me during our engagement, he would have done it after we married. He's scum. Vicky said definitively. I'm not sticking up for him, but I think that neither of us was in love with one another. We were just going forward on the road that was laid out for us when we were too young to question. The reason Beth doesn't know if the news is true or not is because Beth hasn't spoken to him since you left. I sat up. What? He left town around the same time. He hasn't returned her calls. Mrs. Butler has been calling everyone to find him. Where did he go after he left Ashland? Does Skylar's mom know that Beth is pregnant? I asked. Vicky's volume rose. Oh, girl, I don't know. And if I were Beth, it sure as hell wouldn't be a discussion I'd want to have with the Butlers without Skylar's support. Poor Beth. Had I really just had that thought? When are you coming home? Vicky asked. I got the job that I told you about. I'm going to stay here for a while. She laughed. That's another weird Twilight zone thing. I knew you applied for a job, but yesterday, the crazy-ass news people have you engaged to someone else. It's wild. They twist everything. Before I could reply, she went on. I looked the man up. He's uber rich and some good-looking recluse. I told my mom about it and said you'd gone for a job, not a new proposal. The job opportunity is why I came up here. The whole thing hasn't exactly worked out as I planned. Tell me about the job, Vicky said. The job is to write Donovan Sherman's memoir. That's the guy, she said, her voice rising. I swear, those reporters are crazy. 
I sat taller. They aren't. He did propose. I said yes. What the hell? I nodded. I did. I know it's fast. Lightning fast. I mean, he was good looking, but isn't he too old for you? Not as old as I expected when I went to the interview. His age doesn't bother me. Julia, you're really going to marry him? I don't approve. You don't? I asked, surprised. I think he needs to meet your only best friend. Then we can discuss this. My smile returned. I'd love that. After the holidays, when I go back to Chicago to gather my things. Will Van go with me to Chicago? I'd made the comment without thinking. After all, he was a successful man. He more than likely didn't have time to help me pack. Maybe I'd said he'd be there because I wanted him to be. Vicky was talking. You're moving up to northern Wisconsin? Really? Chicago doesn't get cold enough for you? You wouldn't believe how cold it is here. Especially in a one-room cabin without electricity. I didn't say that last part, because if I did, I'd admit other details about the last week to Vicky. That's what friends did. It wasn't what Beth did. By the time Vicky and I hung up, I changed my mind about going downstairs. My news regarding my parents could wait. Soon, I was under the warm spray of the shower, washing away the remains of Vans and my night and morning of passion. The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.